Hello and welcome to series two of the Training for Influence podcast. Our aim is to help you deliver the best training possible. We'll be exploring how to make the most of every single second in a training session and how to deliver training so that it has added influence. You'll be hearing from me, Tammy Banks, and I'll be chatting with Training for Influence graduates, facilitators and experts who can speak to each of the steps. Expert, tailored, engaging and values-led. We hope you find these podcasts really beneficial. In this session, I'm speaking to Becky about delivering live online training. We discuss why I was really against it and how Becky persuaded me otherwise. And Becky explains the process of adapting a face-to-face course to be delivered live online. And she shares lots of top tips. So thank you very much for coming and recording this podcast with us, Becky. It's fantastic to have you here today. I'm sorry, thank you for having me. All right, it's a pleasure as always. So we're going to be focusing today specifically on how to apply the training for influence methodology to live online training. And I've invited you specifically because actually you were really fundamental in helping Tay go through the process of actually looking at how it uses the training for influence methodology and then how that can be applied to live online training. And it's fair to say that at the beginning, when we started to explore this within Tay, I really didn't want to do it, did I? No, <laughs> you didn't like the idea of it. You didn't think it would kind of meet all the, the training models and the training for influence model as well. Yeah, I guess engagement and how much we could do and still be able to talk to the delegates. Yeah, exactly. And it's interesting because in this podcast, we're talking about training for influence as a methodology. But of course, our learning derives from Tay. And what pushed us in this direction was the exact same thing that happened to everybody else nationally and internationally. And that was COVID-19 and suddenly finding ourselves behind closed doors and not being able to interact with each other. So it wasn't an active choice at that point. Yeah, kind of to meet a means, but also wanting to make sure that we could still do it as effectively as we could face to face and still get all those elements linked into it as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, my fear right at the beginning was that it would be like e-learning and I quite often kind of get on a pedestal and rant about e-learning. In fact, in the chapter in the book, I think one of the phrases in it is don't e-learn your team to tears. And I specifically talk about it because it frustrates the life out of me when people think that e-learning can do the same as face-to-face training. And so, so I'm often known for kind of ranting about the fact that e-learning doesn't give you the ability to check in with somebody's frame of reference or really challenge their perceptions or look at their unconscious bias or even kind of look at the elements of their emotional resilience and help them to build those. So I do, I argue against e-learning and when COVID-19 hit and I phoned you and we talked about the fact that we needed to explore live online training. It's fair to say actually I was sat on a wall outside my daughter's school and I was in tears at that point wasn't I? Yeah. Yeah and can you remember what you said to me? I didn't help the situation did I to begin with (laughs) (laughs) because uh, looking into what the platforms that we could use and we wanted to obviously still have that engagement and they, they're allowed to break out into separate rooms and do still do that group work discussion. I was like you said, it would be e-learning and we couldn't find, well, I couldn't find anything to begin with, which then, yeah, obviously didn't help the situation. So probably caused more tears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, because for me, it was fundamental that we can meet the standards of training for influence. And actually, although at that point we thought it was an interim solution and that we'd just be doing live online training for a short period of time, I didn't want Tay to be delivering anything that was short of exceptional. You know, people have high standards of our delivery and they expect us to be using the training for influence methodology. And they've booked us specifically for that added value and that added influence. And yes, I know we were in unprecedented times, you know, we've heard that a thousand times now, but still I didn't want to offer, I guess, subpar training, whether it be online or not. Now, skip forward, what, 14 weeks or something daft like that, you know, and actually even longer by the time this podcast becomes live, we've been doing live online training wow, all day, every day. Lots of our facilitators deliver it now and it's been a real fast learning curve. But to the extent that actually some of the feedback that we've had is phenomenal and things have turned around. And actually when I was finalising the book just a couple of weeks ago, I've put in there how we're always going to be offering this as an option now. So I was the biggest critic and the biggest (laughs) sceptic right at the beginning. Thought we were plugging a gap might have to just about grin and bear live online training. And now at the end of it, I'm saying, well, actually, we're going to offer both in the future. So I'd be really interested in some of your thoughts, really, you know, reflecting back to the process that you went through to kind of ensure that the standards could be met. And then let's talk about some of those examples and how that's going for us now. Oh, for me, I absolutely love it. I love doing the online training, but I think for me it's because I still treat it and see it very much the same as face-to-face delivery. Because we have proven that we can have that engagement and we can still have all those discussions. I still treat it the same, which then still means all that prep and everything that we put into face-to-face training should still happen for online delivery. And I think then that really makes it more enjoyable and effective. So I really do enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's why you've been in charge of training up the TAFE facilitators as they've converted from face-to-face training to live online delivery, because those standards are so high, aren't they? It really is about that preparation. And like you said, really key that we treat live online training with the same respect, I guess, as we would with face-to-face training. So talk me through a little bit about the prep that you do and how do you treat it the same? So... If it's a course that we obviously normally deliver anyway, one that hasn't been developed, that I still do all that prep work of finding out who the client is, making sure I know what their missions and values are so we can still put that tailoring into that course. And then it's very much just that prep work of knowing what my platform is. Obviously, I know it quite well because we've been using it since day one, but making sure that you do that research. Has there been any updates a lot of these platforms are social media platforms it's no different than your iphone when we get updates do we actually read what those updates are and what are happening and because of this and the updates that can happen it might mean that certain functions have disappeared from your menu bar and you start in a training session at 10 o'clock and you log on at 10 to 10 and you go oh no where's that gone and you know it's making sure that you know your platform really well and you log on, is your camera working? Is your microphone working? Have you got your PowerPoint there? Have you got all your activities? Have you got them saved in a file so you can share them with the delegates if they haven't been able to receive them or download them? It's a bit of a kind of mission. I have like my computer here and then my laptop next to me as well so that I can access email. So if delegates have got any connection issues as well, I can help them while still being here and present. 
So it's all that prep work, no more than when we're doing face-to-face -face delivery. You know, we all turn up early, set the room up, get all the pens and papers out, get all the flip chart papers written with the headline, we've got our attendance sheet, making sure that the tech works there. You know, sometimes I've turned up and I've been told I've got IT equipment and how the projector isn't actually there or what is the actual Wi-Fi password and all that kind of stuff. So it's still doing all of that prep work. We wouldn't turn up for a face-to-face -face delivery 10 minutes before the session. And some people sometimes go, oh, it's online delivery, so I just need to switch my computer on and it's ready to go. And you still need to put all of that prep work in, which yeah. then it shows that respect to the delegates as well. You know, you're not fumbling around and trying to find things that's there ready to go. I think that that's really important as well, because I think particularly when we at Tay started doing live online training, it was literally within a couple of days of lockdown starting. So yeah. I think initially people were quite forgiving of fumbling around with technology and things like that, because everybody was learning at a speed of knots, really. <laughs> but actually now, and as we've seen over the four month development of the online training, actually expectations are really high now. People really want to come along and experience or have an experience like they would do if they were in a face-to-face -face session and that's come across quite strongly because there's been quite a few points within the journey where actually we've adapted and then adapted again and then upgraded and then upgraded again particularly from an interactivity perspective and being able to actually meet the delegates needs as we've learned more about what difficulties they might have in connecting or what parts of the session they might respond better to by doing it in a different way and things like that so again just like face-to-face -face training it's about getting that constant feedback and being able to adapt your sessions based on that feedback as well and that's why it's so important to know your platform as well and to practice so to practice it before the session practice with your friends colleagues even set yourself up on a few devices so you can see what it looks like for the delegates because like you said some delegates are really tech savvy they've been using zing for their own team meetings and all that stuff as well and some probably be their first introduction to it when they've come on and if they go oh i can't hear everybody or i can't see the powerpoint slide or i can't do this depending on what device there is it might be that they need to just swipe their screen so if you know what your platform is and know what it looks like for you and also for the delegates you can then really talk them through quite easily and they're at ease straight away and then also the other delegates go oh okay they know their stuff and it's <laughs> taken a few minutes they can go and grab a coffee or oh actually i wasn't sure that works but now i don't have to ask and all that kind of stuff so it just kind of gives it that very much human interaction to it as well yeah, and I think that that's really, really important because I think there's a lot of prep work that we do in advance by sending out the delegate guides and how to download things and the instructions and things like that. But on the day, things happen, don't they? Just like they do with face-to-face -face training. I've done face-to-face -face training where the PowerPoint hasn't worked, for instance, and we've had to run around getting photocopies of stuff and things like that. It's just the same, but just in a different setting. And it's about actually being confident with the technology so that you can reassure the delegates in that way as well like on the training for influence training program i know that the last cohort they absolutely loved the training sessions that they did with you where as a group they all got to go through and practice the platform load up the presentations try different things and, and different ways of making it interactive but also make some mistakes yeah and i know that equally in the cohorts lots of them have had one-to-one -one training sessions with yourself as well to kind of go through really specific intricate details and they have a written guide and recorded videos 
And so that all sounds like a lot of work, but actually we want everybody that comes for the program to be able to leave it going. I know all the elements of the methodology, which means I can apply them to face to face. But also if I want to, and not everybody wanted to, but if I want to, now I know how to apply them online as well, which just gives you that different option, doesn't it, for for your delivery style. And we have found some huge benefits, surprisingly. Like I always knew that there would be benefits for delivering live online training for things like split geographic teams and things like that, because some of the people that we deliver training for at Tay, they are based all over the country, aren't they? And so I knew that actually there would be some geographic benefits, but I, in my mind, initially, I thought that that would be at the expense of doing face-to-face training. Actually, we found, and you know, you said at the beginning, I love doing live online training. You've actually found some things that work better on it as well, haven't you? Yeah, I think I think one for that the kind of geographic thing, like you said, it gives the delegates a chance to mix with other teams and find out how they do things within their team differently. They can reflect and have that conversation networking. But also I think that then really helps with engagement and kind of allowing them to put their shields down a little bit. Because I think sometimes if we're in a training room where it's all our colleagues that we share a room with them in an office, etc., that sometimes, and I've been it when I've gone on training with my team in previous roles, that you've got your guard up a little bit of like, oh, I don't know if I should say this because maybe there's that little bit of like, oh, she doesn't appear as emotionally resilient as normal or just kind of those expectations that we have of being a frontline worker. And actually, if they're in a room there seems like their guards down a little bit and they will ask those questions and they will reflect without being judged, which is really, really good. And also they can't hide behind their colleagues that we sometimes do in face-to-face training. You know, sometimes when they sit next to their colleagues and move and try and hide behind them. (laughs) They can't do that because I can see them all. (laughs) Don't you have a sneaky tip as well, though? Because you wrote some top tips for us for online delivery, which are available as a free resource on our website, actually. So please do go and get those if you're interested and you're listening to this. But some of those top tips are fantastic. And one of them that really made me smile was when you'd put, write down people's names and then kind of mark off those who are quieter and then encourage them to participate. And then they will choose to participate afterwards. And you were given an example about how that's much easier when you're using an online platform. Yeah, when we go through, as we would with the attendance sheet and things, obviously we go through that housekeeping, make sure everyone's there. But with that online platform, also I can see their names on their screen as well. So I'm very much aware of who I've got with the attendance sheet, but I'm very much aware of who was in front of me. And you can start seeing like, oh, hang on, the same people are the ones that want to answer those questions. Or if I ask and put it out to the room for discussion, they're the first ones that will try to respond. And actually, I can sit there and go, oh, okay, we're talking about this, and then actually throw it out to someone and go, so, like, for example, I go, Tammy, what do you think about this? Because if you've been quite quiet, your name's there. I can say that to you, and I can say, actually, I've noticed, well, not say it, but I've noticed you've been quite quiet, so I can actually direct that question to you. And not once have I had someone go, I don't want to answer, or, like, switch their camera off or their microphone or anything like that and just go on away. Normally they have that bit of little like giggle and they go, I knew you were going to ask me. And I'm like, they know that they've been quiet. So they know. But then once they've got that realization of actually, it's really easy to unmute themselves and they can talk and we still have that conversation. Then I've noticed that next time they've been quite quick to then like, oh, I'm happy to chime in and share my experience. It it is about building that confidence for all of us, isn't it? Because this is different. This is something new. 
I think most of the country have now done live online training and only a few months ago the percentage would have been a lot lot smaller so actually going forward and this is one of the reasons why we've worked so hard to make sure that we can absolutely meet the standards is actually going forward I think some people will be choosing it and actually if they choose live online training over static e-learning that is fantastic because just like you said you can still have those conversations you can still have those debates and you can involve people and be interactive in a variety of different ways yeah I think that's one of the reasons, like I know at the beginning of the TAY courses, there's always an introductory activity, isn't there? And we've done it so that specifically you have 30 seconds with a timer to kind of introduce yourself. And that makes it into a little bit of a giggle. It gives everybody the same amount of time. So those who want to talk, don't talk and talk. And also because we've adapted all of the sessions, because they do need adapting to be able to be delivered live online, because we've adapted face-to-face sessions, it also means that within the limited time that's available, we're not taking up too much time with introductions, but it plays back into that confidence. People have to mute and unmute and take part, don't they, right from the beginning? Yeah, and like you say, it really does then help even they can start hearing each other and talking to each other. And it's always great sometimes when they first pop on and they're like, oh, and they've seen like a colleague and like, we've not seen each other for weeks. This is really nice. So they can have that little bit of like, while everyone's settling in and then do their introductions. And normally you get, yeah, like, well, I'll work with so-and-so that's above my head at the moment. And I'm like, well, actually, I'm my screen, she's over here. (laughs) (laughs) But it's, it's quite nice that it gives them that kind of, like you said, they're relaxed they can see how it does work and then like you said that's one of the first activities so then they can start going in and when you do ask feedback or questions or any ideas they're like oh yeah actually I know how this works I know how to do this yeah absolutely well I've been to quite a lot of live online training sessions over the last few months and I've attended and assessed and signed off a load of training for influence trainees who are delivering live online training sessions and there's a huge difference between delivering a live online session and delivering it well or delivering it using the training for influence methodology and we've given a couple of examples of I guess the interactive and the engaging part of the training for influence methodology let's just talk to that a little bit more because we've given an example of people having a bit of a laugh with the 30 seconds muting on muting off and things like that but actually you do much more than that in the sessions to ensure that it's engaging and that it meets um, the methodology don't you so talk us through some of the examples that you use within different courses I guess some of them also link to other aspects of that methodology as well of tailoring because we might not necessarily tailor it yes obviously we tailor it to the customers but we need to tailor it to being online as well which like you said is very much then putting in extra breaks so they're not sat in front of their screen all the time and then also tailoring those activities because some of those activities that we might do sat around the table we can't do online but also we want to tailor those activities to bring in some things like movement so they're not always sat in front of the screen so some of those quizzes that we do of agree and disagree and those values stand up if you agree or disagree or like sit down so that they are moving they're not just sat in front of a screen the whole time so they are still getting that kind of different learning styles as well 
Yeah, well, there's one activity that I know that when I was assessing one of the trainees had just been through the programme against the standards who was delivering a live online session, I properly laughed out loud. I was really glad that I was on mute because actually what they had done is they had adapted a session that was an activity, sorry, that was about professional boundaries. And in the session, what they do is they give out apples and then they all describe the apples from the outside and then they chop them and they have a look at what bruises and things that they have. And it's about really actually connecting to our customer group and delivering our services from a trauma-informed perspective because you never know what somebody's history is and all of that. So you can see the learning point, but obviously they couldn't send out apples to people. <laughs> that didn't, wouldn't quite work. So actually what they did was they asked before they put people in group rooms for people to put their hands up if they had any type of fruit in the house. And obviously, particularly because this session was done over lockdown, you know, somebody came back with a tin of fruit fruit cocktail which was hilarious somebody came back with like some sad old grapes and then somebody come back with some really shiny like farmers market stuff and then the facilitator put the people in the groups so that there was one person per group had some fruit and then they did the exact same activity and it took three minutes to set up it was quite a giggle everybody was laughing through it by the end of the activity when they were feeding back they absolutely got the learning points and they were awake and alive and retaining that information whereas they could have chosen to just have a conversation about the importance of trauma-informed practice mm -hmm. but actually how how's that going to stick with you do you know how's how are you going to retain that information and actually i looked at the feedback because obviously when we do the training for influence assessment we look at the feedback as well and i looked at the feedback and somebody put on there something like genius session i haven't laughed so much in ages we were talking about professional boundaries i was really dreading it but i loved seeing the team the wider people learned so much etc etc and they they really garbled about how blown away they were I think when people come to live online training, particularly recently, they've got low expectations because they haven't experienced it. So if they come to one that's a training for influence using the methodology, goodness, we, we raise their expectations before they go to the next one, don't we? So. And I think also that really kind of links into finding out your platform as well, because obviously some platforms will have integrated activity things like polls. Some of those questions, if it's like a case of agree or disagree, yes, we could get them to stand up and sit down. But sometimes, um, like the poll option is great because they can answer it, but they can't see who has answered what. So it comes up with a percentage of how many has said I oh, agree and how many say disagree. You know, sometimes when we go to face-to-face -face training and we're like, oh, stand up if you agree. Are you concerned about this? And then you see everyone else stand up and you're like, oh, maybe I should stand up then. So actually, they can do that instant reaction. They can go with their gut with it, which is what we want, so that we can then have those discussions and reflect on it. But they can't see who else has answered. So I can go, oh, look, 47% of you agreed, but the other mass, 53, <laughs> haven't agreed. <laughs> so let's have those discussions. Why is this concerning? Why isn't that concerning? So it's yeah. also finding out, actually, I can adapt that so I can get movement into this through this activity. This activity, maybe we can put them into breakout rooms and still have that really private group discussion. And then we could also have do an activity where they might be influenced by what other people are saying. So we want something that is their go with their gut, they can answer it and not be worried that people can see what their answers they put. Absolutely. And you've used the polls in many an amazing way. Do you know, I've, I've seen you using them across a variety of different sessions and having them to really kind of have that quick fire round and have people on their toes, but also some real detailed questions, you know, when they're matching legislation and things like that, but then down to the values. 
you can use them in, in different ways, can't you? If you have that confidence to be able to use them, you can mix up the session and get people really you need people involved continually like we say in the engaging element that actually we need to be looking at changing the learning style that you're meeting roughly every 20 minutes in a face-to-face session but actually that's just as important if not more important within a live online session and I would say that actually we mix up the activities quite a lot more than every 20 minutes because even 20 minutes in front of a screen where you're just looking at stuff or you're doing one type of activity 20 minutes is a long time yeah it really is and again, it's finding out that what's on with your platform, but then are there other apps or softwares that you can use within your platform to help with those activities. So there's one that we use that creates those word clouds, which I just absolutely love. Rather than using a whiteboard or the flip chart paper, they can use it. Some of them, they have to put their answers in the phone. So again, it takes them away from the screen a little bit. Although it's still a phone screen, you know, they're, they're moving there with their hands and having to type and things like that. And for some, as soon as they've entered that word, it appears on the screen for everyone else to see. And sometimes if the delegates have been entering the same word, then that word gets bigger amongst all the other words and just this massive word cloud appears. And sometimes you see it starts getting a bit quieter if people are like, okay, we've entered some things now. And then we do it around what does certain, like what does safeguarding mean to you or blocks and barriers and things like that. And someone had put in around a block or barrier could be LGBT being within that community and obviously not being out yet or anything like that. And you could just see, I was like, oh, it's going quite quiet. Okay, we'll start to move on and have these discussions. But that appeared and obviously it then just triggered everyone because they were like, oh, they could also then be this. And we could also include, it could be gender, it could be all of this. And all these other words then suddenly started appearing. I was like, this is great. You're not talking to each other. But again, it's that kind of light bulb moment and going oh yeah we can but that's exactly why live online training is so different to e-learning because that's what you need you need that motivation from the other people in the room you need the other people in the room's perspectives you need them to be able to challenge you and have those conversations and i just think that the way that we're re- applying the methodology honestly i am like even now i'm a bit like am i really saying this is good because <laughs> i'm really saying that this is amazing I think as we move forward, I don't think it's necessarily going to replace face-to-face training. In fact, I really hope it doesn't. But actually, in some situations, I'm starting to come around to the fact that it's better in some situations. And actually, a hybrid approach where you can do both is perfect as well. Do you know, for some organisations, for instance, you might be delivering a variety of different training sessions where you can save them a fortune in their travel fees by doing some of those sessions as live face-to-face training and then some of those sessions as in-person training. Yeah. But we haven't spoken about yet, Joe, you know, my most favourite element. We touched on it right at the beginning. It was the be-all and end-all for me when we were looking at live online training. And that was about the breakout rooms. Within the, the methodology, these are absolutely key, aren't they? You've done a few different things that are just so clever that as you've started adapting the sessions and then training other people to adapt them as well, there's three things I want to mention that I just just amaze me each time. And I'm so glad that these are now the core part of when we train people up in the methodology, these are things that we recommend. And one of those things is actually when people arrive at the session early and in break and lunch, you pop them into breakout rooms so that they can then network with each other. Yeah. So they can still leave and they can still go and have their lunch, turn the camera off, turn the mic off, 
But if they want to join early, they'll be with their colleagues and they can do some networking because that was one of the things I was also really worried about was about losing that networking. The other thing about breakout rooms that, again, has just been amazing to see is there's been a few times where people have struggled with some of the information that's being delivered in the session because obviously Tay in particular when Tay's delivering sessions and using the methodology they might be talking about domestic abuse might be talking about safeguarding could be talking about working with people convicted of sexual offences you know really emotive subjects and we always talk about the fact that we do a health check and you know look after yourself please disengage etc but actually you use the breakout rooms to also give somebody some quiet time and some space with you on their own when other people are in breakout rooms doing activities the other people don't even know that that's happening so do you know that just so supportive and then my final thing is just people have said that they find having conversations in the breakout rooms less pressurized than they do face to face so sometimes because they're in their own homes and because they're in small breakout rooms where the other groups aren't around them within a meter and being able to overhear what they're saying they know that they can have really quite confidential discussions with the facilitator popping into the rooms but then they as a group choose what to feed back to the whole group So those three elements, that's why I cried when you told me you didn't think there were breakout rooms at the beginning, because for me, that's what makes training. Yeah, yeah. and they are really good. Doing those breakout rooms at the beginning as well is also helping with your prep. So we have the waiting room enabled. And as people come in, actually, we can let them in. We can set up the breakout room, let them in. Did you get all your documents okay? No, right, I can send that over to you now. Did you able to download any of the extra apps or software that we're using? Have you got any issues with your mic or camera? No, everything's fine. Okay, I'm going to put you in a breakout room and then I'll let the next delegate in and go through all that stuff as well. But when you're in the breakout rooms, you can switch your mic and camera off, go and make a cup of tea, you've got comfy. But also be aware that other delegates can come in as well with networks. It's no different than face-to-face when they all turn up. And then they're all like just having a chat of if they know each other, like, oh, they can have that network around how their week's been all lot. Well, where are you from? What do you do? And all that kind of stuff. So, and yeah. that's the same for break times as well, that they can go in there and stuff. I think it also really helps with that debriefing, like you said, that emotional resilience. So with online training, you can really see if something is impacting them because they're there, aren't they? It's, the camera is on their face. So sometimes you can see if they're getting a bit distressed or anything like that. And they can switch their camera off, they can switch their mic off, so no one necessarily knows what's going on. But I had it where I did notice that someone, I could see they were getting quite upset, and they switched their camera off, and we must have been private messaging each other at the same time, of me going, are you okay? And they must have said, I'm sorry, that really got to me. And I said, go step away, go make a cup of tea or coffee. Once we finish this video, they go straight into activities. So everyone else can go into breakout room and activities. And me and that delegate then went into our own breakout room and just had a bit of a debrief, had a chat. Are you okay to carry on with the session? Do you need to leave? All that kind of stuff. But don't worry about everyone else. They're in their breakout rooms doing activities. They probably just think you're in one of the other groups because no one's going to know. Yeah. And that delegate wanted to stay. And I said, right, this is the activity that they're doing. This is just some of that stuff. Have a few minutes again to just kind of debrief and like recap and stuff. And then you'll get that notification when the breakout rooms are being closed to come back to the main room. So it just looked like you've joined back with everyone else. And then I'll pop into all the other rooms, make sure they're all okay and on task and stuff. So you've got a minute left and all that kind of stuff. And then just join them all back. Even that conversation that you can have in the chat privately with them, from the perspective of the delegate, when you're in a face-to-face session, 
they have to get up and leave the room in front of everybody and then you have to leave the room in front of everybody so being able to have that private chat you know I can see how that's really beneficial as well I can see how people might be more willing to tell you that they're struggling with something and, and need a little bit of time yeah. so to know that's fantastic as we've talked through applying the training for influence methodology to live online training actually naturally we've focused on the engaging element of the methodology and I think that's because naturally that's the one that kind of jumps out as the most difficult potentially to enable during a live online session. The, you said at the beginning about the fact that you approach the session in the same way as you do a face-to-face session. And that kind of, when you look at the expert part, that operational expert and that connected experience, that's exactly the same face-to-face or live online. That's exactly the same. When you get to that expert facilitation skills, well, that's where it gets a little bit different because actually expert facilitation skills we talk about in the methodology and we go through what's needed to be able to facilitate a session expertly. But you bring up and you have time and time again in this podcast said, yeah, expert facilitation skills has to include the technology and the platform. Do you know, we have to go one step further. So that kind of plays into the expert part and the engaging part. And the tailored and the values led actually into the whole session, because if you can't use that technology effectively, you're not going to be able to run an effective session. But people are going to be worried about that. They are going to be kind of, oh, gosh, how do I remember all these different bits of the methodology, apply them and then learn the technology? And we've had some people come through the program that right at the beginning have barely turned on a computer <laughs> you know, um, because of the training that they've delivered previously has been very face to face and very interactive. And actually, step by step, they've been able to do this and they've been able to do this extremely well, haven't they? They have, yeah. And it is, it's just taking that time and linking to those skills of what those things I can control. I can control knowing what my tech is. I can control knowing all the different functions because it's things I need to learn. And then there are some of those things that we can't control that. Literally, if internet connection, someone's drops out or things like that, it's like, okay, it's fine. That's why we always talk through, make sure you've got the ID and password. You can rejoin at any point, all that kind of stuff. But then also having that calm, cool, collective tone of not then going, oh, no, everything's gone, because then that's going to panic the delegates as well, because they can hear us. And they're like, well, if they're panicking and they don't know what to do, then what are we going to be learning today? So it's still making sure that just kind of weigh enough of those things. And if things do go wrong, they've gone wrong on face-to-face training. I turned up once. It wasn't with Tay. It was a completely different training agency. They booked us a venue, but that venue had double booked and there was no room for us. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, I've got like 30 delegates coming soon and there is no room for us. So it was very quick trying to do them. And, you know, we've turned up and they're like, oh, the Wi-Fi's not working. Okay, so how will we show those videos instead? So it's just keeping that professionalism. And if things don't go the way we want them to, just staying calm. Well, if you know your tech and you know your platform, just go, I'm really sorry, just give me two minutes if I need to do this. But still stay in that calm and collective manner. And for any um, listeners, there are some free resources on our website that are guides to using the tech with some videos that the wonderful Becky has put on their screen recorded. So you can literally see step by step how to use the tech, how to use all of the different engaging elements. There's even a top tips for online delivery as well that talks through lots of the things that Becky has mentioned today, specifically how to adapt a session. Because when you go from kind of the expert to the tailored, 
lots of the tailored elements are exactly the same as they would be for the face-to-face session. So when you're putting together the training, when you're engaging with the person who's booked the training or the delegates, or you're relating the activities to the customer group or the service users, all of that is exactly the same. But there is an element of tailoring that is specifically about adapting the course to be suitable for online delivery that needs to be considered as well. But most of that is about actually the length of the session. How are you going to break up the session? How are you going to ensure that you tailor the engaging elements to ensure that you're meeting the needs of the delegates and things as well? But I think we've talked a lot about reassuring people that it can be interactive, it can be engaging. And there is a process that you go through with the methodology where you look at the different learning styles and go, well, have we got a video? Have we got movement? Have we got emotional learning? Are we doing this? Are we doing that? And it's exactly the same for the live online sessions. There's no difference. Yeah. With regards to the values part, have you seen a difference in delivering live online training and getting that golden thread all the way through the methodology? I think it helps enhance it as well though I think it really does because like you said all that prep work shows that we as facilitators are one valuing this just as important as face-to-face if we put all that prep work it's all of there but then also those activities that really then do help like you said there's no prejudgment they can reflect they do have that time they can have those private conversations and then also really just valuing them as delegates for why they're there for that day we do know that sitting in front of a computer for however long isn't nice sometimes. So it's just valuing, making sure that they really do get what they've come through for that day. So yeah. we are valuing their day, we are valuing their time, and we are valuing their learning and helping facilitate that. You can still facilitate that learning with it on the screen as you can in the room. Yeah, absolutely. And you can still have all of that connected content, whether it's delivering from a trauma-informed perspective. You still cover all of the the exact same emotional resilience elements that you do in the face-to-face sessions. You've just adapted and tailored the way that you're delivering them. I am convinced, you know, I think I have to kind of swallow it and kind of say, yeah, I really am convinced. And I, I surprise myself saying that even now. I know that we paused the book and we added the online chapter because of how transformational this was to be able to see that we can deliver in this way. I'm a real advocate now for actually people being able to offer the option to organisations and for people coming through the Training for Influence programme. Yes, we go through the methodology, but there is a part where we absolutely explore how do we apply that online as well. And actually also let people go and observe others. So one of the things for the last cohort that they all raved about was the fact that actually they got to sit in as a delegate first and observe how it works. And then if they wanted to, they got to join a session and just help in the breakout room. So they got to play a little bit and see how that worked. Mm -hmm. And then when it got round to actually them delivering and then them being assessed, they had some tech support there with them and they'd all had a group session and a one-to-one session, you know, So we can hold people's hand through the process of learning and applying the methodology online. So I guess it's about that reassurance for people who are booking it to say you can still have your needs met in this way. Also reassurance for the people that are learning the methodology and looking to apply that to their own training. This might seem a bit scary. It might seem a step too far. That's exactly what I thought. (laughs) And you've persuaded me otherwise as we've gone through this journey. And now there's however many facilitators delivering in this way. The feedback continually blows my mind. Seriously, you know, I've seen it get better and better. And actually last week, 
as the feedback was sent through, there was literally session after session that was just coming back as 100% excellent right across the board. And you all know as well as I do, we aim for 100. We kind of guarantee 98%. There's the occasion that we might drop down to 95%. We're not happy going anywhere below that. That's what the methodology is for, to add that added influence. So to just be getting 100, 100, 100, right across the board with regards to sessions that are being delivered live online, I have to sit back and kind of accept the fact that it's fantastic and this isn't my work. This is something that you and the facilitators have taken the methodology and gone, we need to make this work and you have. And for that, I'm really grateful from a Tay training perspective, but also from a training for influence methodology. I think it just enables now people to be able to use the methodology in a variety of ways. And it's such an added bonus to the train the trainer program because it then enables you to deliver in a different way as well. It does, yeah. I really do enjoy it as much as I do face to face. And you don't have to get on a training journey somewhere. <laughs> yeah. It's made me, because on face-to-face, I talk a lot with my hands. But actually, online training has made me stop that, because I still talk with my hands. But no one can see what my hands are doing. It just looks like my shoulders are jigging. Up here, won't you? Yeah, just to put them up here, which then would just look even weird. So actually, it's made me go like, no, stay and sit and be calm. Because otherwise people just think, what on earth is she doing with her shoulders? <laughs> yeah, because that's the only part that they see move. Yeah. So Becky, thank you very much for recording this podcast for me, reassuring our listeners that they can deliver live online training and they can use a methodology and it can have as much as an influence as if they were doing face-to-face training. Finish us off with some kind of motivation for them. Do you know what do you want listeners to believe when they've listened to this podcast? I think if you love training and facilitate as much as I can, then it just shows that you can adapt it. As long as you learn those things that you can control, then you'll enjoy it. I absolutely love it. I really do enjoy it. So like we said, all those values and everything can still be moved onto online. You just need to learn your tech. And we can help them do that. So There's plenty out there to help you do it. So you can still (laughs) enjoy the thing that you love doing. And probably sometimes more. Some of these sessions I've enjoyed a lot more than face-to-face because they have just been so engaging and interactive. Fantastic. Brilliant. Becky, thank you very much for your time today. I've really, really loved talking to you and really appreciate it. Not a problem. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you found this podcast both useful and enjoyable. If you'd like to access any of the free resources mentioned, assess your training against the methodology or find out more about the Train the Trainer programme, please head to our website, trainingforinfluence.co.uk. And to finish, I'd just like to say, I truly believe that facilitating training is both an opportunity and a privilege. So thank you for recognising that effective values-led training can make a real difference to delegates, to organisations, and ultimately to people accessing frontline services.